So we are here on day two of South by Southwest EDU uh, in-person recording, uh, which is always a treat. So we're going to have a great conversation uh, focusing in on uh, higher ed choice, how students can get more informed about various options that are available to them. We'll start out as we always do, have our guests introduce themselves and give a brief overview of their professional background and how they got to be where they are today. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm Julie Lammers, Senior Vice President of Advocacy and Corporate Social Responsibility for American Student Assistance. ASA is a national nonprofit focused on uh, changing the way kids learn about career and then navigate a path to post-secondary education and career success. Um, and I came to ASA about 13 years ago, um, and I work on both our advocacy and policy issues as well as our corporate social responsibility. So our philanthropy side, doing direct grants to organizations doing great work in the field, as well as trying to change policy systems to make sure that there's more opportunity for students. Awesome. And I know you have a background in policy and everything. So if you want to kind of speak to that, because I'd love to hear more about it, because I just haven't had the opportunity to talk with people a lot about it, because I think that's such an important part of the whole equation, why I love South by EDU, of like, it brings all those people together. So just kind of your background and experience. Yeah. In so uh, prior to ASA, I worked for the United States Senate for about nine years, um, doing education outreach really with uh, constituents in Massachusetts. I worked for U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy um, for nine years uh, and did the gamut from uh, pre-K to higher ed <laughs> and sort of everything that was required in between. Um, so, you know, that's really sort of my my first love and passion um, and working now to try to change some of the policies we, we created back then, um, try to perfect them uh, going forward. Yeah, because I guess that is like an interesting idea of especially if you've like been working long enough in a certain field where it's just like oh yeah i remember like doing that or being it's, part of all it. these things come back around yeah like it, it's <laughs> iterative do we make then <laughs> yeah like it's iterative and all that you know it's like hey we we did the best with the knowledge we had at the time or whatever or certainly like nowadays where you know i imagine just with like the work that asa does where like there are so many more different opportunities for you know uh students to make you know, with uh, going to college, which college, what are they studying online, hybrid, in person, or doing a boot camp, like all these different things. So um, if you want to focus in just more broadly, too, because I know you, you talked about your role at ASA, but just sort of what ASA does, sort of the organization, the whole team there. Sure. We're focused on really college and career readiness issues um, and ensuring kids understand their options at a much, much earlier age. And so we do this in a few ways. Um, as I mentioned, I handle our policy, advocacy, and, and philanthropy areas we also do a lot of work creating digital programs to get directly to kids through the platforms that we know they're living on. A lot through social media, reached about 11 million kids last year through TikTok, just with short videos to try to start conversations about their um, career readiness, what questions they might want to be asking, how they start thinking about their personal interests and how that aligns with something long-term. Not having kids pick at an early age, but really trying to open up opportunity for kids to think more critically about what their future looks like. Um, so we do that a lot through digital direct kid services. Uh, and then we do some impact investing as well to try to create more opportunity in the field for new innovations in the space um, and, and just really new products and services that can help students. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, like sort of the variety approach you know because it's like yeah like you might want people to kind of like test drive things and that can help sort of be like yeah you know like don't like that it's too much of this none of that you know and then yeah just like be exposed to new things which so is like 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 here's some stuff to think about like right. and you know do with that what you will but um so yeah like there's there's so much that goes into 
making more informed higher ed choices and um I guess like if you want to speak to some of those or maybe kind of like anecdotes of something like how you helped, you know, because sure. you kind of gave that uh, quick sort of bulleted list and everything. So I think, uh, yeah, like I leading question, like I think we'll get to sort of like <laughs> why it's important, the impact and everything, um, because, yeah, like I, I found like talking to a lot more people about this, like. Yeah, like it's so crucial, I think, because there's so many preconceived notions about like how students make, you know, and absence of the, mm -hmm. the work that you all do, like how people make these choices. It's like, yeah, it's sort of, you know, not the most efficient, like not the best for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, and I think it really goes to our sort of evolution as an organization. So historically we were in the student loan space and we did counseling on student loans. Then for a while we did financial education counseling, um, mainly for college students. What we found while doing that work was that students had made a lot of poorly informed decisions about why they were in higher ed to begin with. We're having a lot of conversations about, I wish I had known. So uh, at that time, about seven years ago, we, we switched our mission to tr try to figure out how could we be more proactive at helping kids make deliberate choices about their post-secondary education path. So we start by trying to expand opportunities for career exploration in middle school. I think it's really important that kids start thinking about these opportunities no later than middle school. Um, a lot of data shows that if kids have not seen something as possible by middle school, they start foreclosing opportunities, which means they're not aligning then their higher their high school classwork to you know reach um, make it possible for them to pursue a specific post-secondary education path. So that exploration in middle school is critically important. Really opening up students' eyes to what. Uh, you know, the four things that we like to have kids think about, what they like, what they're good at, what the world needs, and what they can get paid for. And somewhere in the middle of all of those four things are something that are a, a series of career opportunities for students. So everyone should be thinking critically about what those four things are. It doesn't have to stop in middle school. You can think about that your entire life. Um, but, you know, I think those are the the, the sort of key elements in that middle school space. In high school, then, we like to have kids be able to test and try. And what we mean by that is maybe an entrepreneurship experience, an internship, job shadow, something that gives them exposure to the world of work and helps them begin eliminating possibilities. What are the things that I like? What are the things that I hate? <laughs> what is my sort of job identity? And using then all of that information to say, okay, I have I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but it turns out I hate the sight of blood, right? So I'm not going to spend time and money going down a post-secondary education path that includes that as a profession. But I still like science. So what are the other opportunities there? You know, what we saw in the post-secondary education space when we were doing a lot of counseling is kids were waiting too late to make those links between their education and career. And so... You know, waiting till junior year to have their first work experience, discovering they hate something, have already spent two years um, in a major, paying for college, now have to pivot, have to change majors, maybe change schools. For a lot of kids, the risk of doing that and failing is way too high. So how can we uh, eliminate some of that risk by allowing those opportunities in high school to be the platform to, to try discover what you hate, discover what you love, and then make a much more deliberate choice about how that aligns with an edu education after high school. So I think that's sort of the journey that we would hope 
kids see and, and what we're trying to build systems and opportunity for kids to experience. Mm -hmm. But I love that sort of Venn diagram that you explained and everything too, because I think like there is, or, you know, there was, which I feel like we have really gotten past is like trying to be like, Hey, just like do what you love and everything like that. And it's like, okay, well, let's kind of like break that down and get more clear and specific and tangible of like something that you can use to help make decisions of mm -hmm. like, you know, what you're good at, enjoy and get paid for and, you know, uh, the world needs everything. But the the thing that I thought of too, which is interesting is like, as much as I think certain people might be like, Oh, like what you major in, like doesn't matter or whatever. But like, I think if you are making the, like, you know what you want to do and you can make the most of those experiences, it could be like, yeah, like I graduated with a history degree. I don't use that, but it's also just sort of like, I, I got enough from my college experience, but like it would have been that much more impactful or valuable or efficient when like any number of things, if I went into it, with a very clear, like, I kind of just stumbled into just like, I don't know, I like history, like, mm -hmm. you know, and that's obviously, unfortunately, how so many students sort of like, like yeah. you said, kind of get into college, just sort of like, I don't know, I think I want to do this, but it's like, oh my gosh, I don't like this, like one really crucial part of, right. you know, the, and, the profession. And I think, you know, college is certainly an opportunity for a lot of kids to sort of discover who they are and, and go through that, that experience. But as I say, you know, First of all, we know the statistics around college completion. Um, they're not great, <laughs> right? The majority of kids will not get to the, the point of a degree. Um, there are 36 million Americans that have stopped out of college, and that is a, a, a huge concern. So we want to get kids to a point where they are they have a credential that can get them up to a place of economic mobility. And while that exploration piece is really important and figuring out what you love and how where, where you're going to fit in the world um, is a really critical piece of the experience of college, for a lot of people, that's just not the reality, right? And so it's it has to be also a more practical choice of how does this get me to a point of career success? Um, and and so allow front-loading some of those exploration activities in the middle school and high school space and giving kids the time to explore then when it's less risky to fail um, you know, we think is a, is a sort of more practical approach these days. The the nature of post secondary education has changed. You know, in years ago, you could you could go to college and have a summer job, and that would pay for the cost of college. It's not the case anymore, mm -hmm. right? So there is an enormous investment that's going into college, and it needs to be more uh, thought out than a lot of kids are. Um, are doing right now. And, and part of that is it's not on them. It's the amount of information they have available to them. Uh, and we need to do a better job at helping kids navigate that post-secondary education decision and, and what works for them and uh, what meets their long-term goals. I had a follow-up question just kind of sort of came to me of just thinking about like the past couple of years too, like how has like just obviously the the even more vast, like remote opportunities for work and everything like played in. Cause I think like, you know, the, the zeitgeist would say like, Oh, everybody wants to work remotely. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that's just how it's going to be. But like, I imagine that could be one, just a sort of mechanism to get people exposed to so many more things versus just within their area, but also like an important sort of dynamic to think through, like, do you want to work with other people in yeah. person? Like that is like a huge difference in terms of your like work experience and those sort of things. So how has that sort of played into the work that you do? Yeah, it's been really interesting. So we started, um, there were a couple of uh, work-based learning programs we funded that uh, in sort of November of 2019, that when they were going into 2020, uh, you know, the, the summer of 2020 to launch these programs, had to completely rethink the model 
uh, that they were uh, going to deliver to students and how would that best work. What we found after a couple of years of, of doing and sort of researching how they did it, two things. One, um, a lot of companies are saying this is the wave of the future. Even if we don't go back, if we don't go full remote, there will be times when people will be working from home. So just teaching kids the skill set of working remotely is mm -hmm. a completely different animal, right, than manage, uh, managing a student program in an office. So just that skill set of being online, showing up for Zooms on time, you know, turning on your camera, all of those things that we had to <laughs> struggle through in 2020 is a skill set that kids now need to learn. Um, and so there's that piece of it, but there's also um, a huge opportunity that we have found, uh, particularly, um, you know, we funded an organization project called the Catalyze Challenge that is a pooled funding um, opportunity between us, ASA, or the Walton Family Foundation, and the, the Koch Foundation, and as well as a number of other funders. One of the programs that we fund through that work is, is focused on how we get work-based learning experiences to rural students. They were The entire project that they are working on is focused on this idea of how do you get rural kids to get exposure to virtual workplaces. They no longer need to go very far from home in order to find a job, which was never the case pre-pandemic. There is an entire network now of virtual work and it's just a matter of how we connect kids better to those opportunities because it's not something we've ever had to think about before. Mm -hmm. um, just the idea of applying for something virtually or managing that, that virtual process, it has opened up a huge number of opportunities to students, both through virtual work-based learning and you know, full-time employment. Uh, but it's also a skill set that kids need to figure out how to navigate and <laughs> whether or not it's one they like. The, the research from our first... Um, year of, of the internship, there were some kids that basically said, this is not a way I ever want to work again, right? That is a lesson learned. And we think that's a great outcome. You know, they will try something different. They will not put themselves in a situation in the future where that is, that's the way that they have to work. They'll look for other opportunities. So that learning in and of itself is a, it's a huge plus for us. Let's play a game. What keywords does your website rank for? What doesn't it rank for that you think it should? What are a few opportunities you could be winning on if you tweaked some website copy? Okay, how'd you do? Not great? That's okay. Because our friends at DD Agency want to answer all of those questions for you and then some. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copies should be tweaked on website pages, and much more. If this sounds like something you could benefit from, give those folks a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. Head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO or simply follow the link in the show notes below that will guarantee you a 10% discount off of your audit. Again, Head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO to learn more. Now, on to the show. I've worked remote for a really long time. And like that interesting thing where like you're talking about like almost teaching people how to do that. You know, like it is sort of just like, okay, like we'll just, you know, do our due diligence here to kind of 
you know, talk through some of the best practices and everything where like people were doing it before, but mm-hmm. I never had anything like that. But I'm glad that now it exists of like, okay, let's teach people how to, you know, how to do this better. Um, it's a time management thing, right? right. It's, it's a lot of the skills that you might work, do when you're in an office, but you have to think through differently because you're no longer face to face with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a whole new skill set for kids to learn. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it adds a little bit more complexity, but yeah, there's also just like a lot of new opportunities and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really great. You know, this work is very, you know, longitudinal and it's very complex. It's, you know, there's a lot going on. And I like to sort of like take a moment sometimes with people who do this sort of, you know, complex work across higher education, like, and you've obviously been at ASA for a long time and the work has, has changed and everything. So like, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you excited? Like, what are you, you know, looking forward to for the future and everything? So I think like we're in an interesting place in, you know, the year of 2023 where like last year was kind of weird still after coming out of like many, you know, a couple of weird years and, but like, I'm the eternal optimist. I think there's a lot of opportunities to seeing how people are sort of you know, keeping themselves motivated and looking ahead with with optimism as well is always refreshing to hear. So yeah, so I think um, in, there are a couple of things that keep me motivated. I think one, we have seen a lot of change and positive momentum in the policy space. Work based learning, workforce development issues are one of the few bipartisan issues these days. I think it there are there are certainly nuances in what people think should happen, but it is universally one of those issues that people can come together on. Uh, And there's been a lot of of conversation about how to sort of move the needle from a policy standpoint. And so that is definitely motivating. It's, it's, it can be very frustrating um, when you're talking about policies that don't go anywhere, but there is a sort of joint view that that something needs to get done to, to help kids um, be better prepared for the workforce. And so I think that's, that's really positive, but I think, then there's also just our interactions with the students that we serve. We had a couple of students from one of our grantee organizations in the office uh, not that long ago, uh, just so they could get exposure to what we do. And um, for one of the students who is from the inner city, he had never actually been on the public transportation system. Um, he'd never been in an elevator before. And so the idea of going into that environment was so overwhelming to him. Um, prior to that exposure. And now he is much more open to exploring his own city more, to thinking about new opportunities for himself. You, we don't necessarily see day to day the impact that we're having, um, but when you see an experience like that and how just exposure to new things can change a young person's life, it really you know, motivates you to to want to do more. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of a similar anecdote for myself is like, I think, you know, I navigated my own, you know, higher ed journey and could have, you know, greatly benefited from the work like you all do and everything. Like, I, like, have tried to put myself out there to do those kind of things and seeing, like, those same positive impacts. And what I thought about, of like, you know, navigating a city and river is, like, I still feel like I get sort of the, like, magic of, like, oh, look at the city and all that. So it's, like, you know, you've sort of, like, charted this, like, you know, uh, getting outside of your comfort zone and then sort of, like, like honoring that sort of earnest feeling of like, wow, you know, like I still get to do these things and all this stuff. And like, so I think that's like, that's part of it. Like there's so much of like an emotional impact of like, wow, like I've seen my potential. I've seen the opportunities that are out there. I've been sort of, you know, guided through and sort of supported to, you know, have the self-discovery and see what I'm truly capable of and everything. So um, 
yeah, it is really like powerful stuff just in terms of like, if you need a little like shot in the arm kind of thing, it's just like getting one of those little like stories, those anecdotes can be really, really yeah, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And just sort of the individual impacts that you can have. Um, you know, we're a fairly large organization and so we don't get to interact with all of the kids that we serve. Um, but it just seeing it, just sort of seeing it, it is really, really wonderful. And yeah, you'd mentioned policy. So I wanted to kind of like, uh, as we're kind of winding down, like kind of give that a sort of a, a moment mm-hmm. to emphasize, because like I've been noticing exactly what you're saying is that like it's sort of, you know, in the ether a little bit more of um, like the reforms for uh, funding for incarcerated individuals, like in uh, getting their higher education or a lot of conversation about like, should we extend like Pell Grants and other yep. funding for like, you know, short term credentials mm-hmm. and those sort of things. So um I guess just broadly, because like you said, like there's a lot of sort of zigs or zags of ways that we could kind of get to sort of, you know, helping uh, students make informed like higher ed choices or how they're funding things or what they're doing and those, all that. But like, yeah, like how do you see policy playing a role here in just sort of the work that you do um, broadly? So I think there's, there's two ways. So on the federal level, there has been a lot more attention on how do we align federal systems to make them work more effectively for students. So, um, you know, the Biden administration actually just recently announced a new initiative called Raise the Bar, Unlocking Career Success, I think is what it's called. Um, and it's thinking about how do you align you know, education, labor, and commerce to really think about from sort of a student perspective, how do you get kids from the education system into the workforce? Um, and so giving direction to states about how they can use American Rescue Plan funds for workforce development issues, they're going to be announcing... Um, competitive grant in the next couple of months, specifically for innovations in work-based learning. Uh, So that type of sort of bully pulpit from the federal government is really important to think about how do you mobilize people to to rethink how they're doing this work? Because the federal system is pretty, is very, you know, separate. A lot of this work happens through one piece of legislation called the Perkins Career and Technical Education Act. There's other stuff that happens through the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, other things in the Higher Ed Act. So everything is is very sort of broken up. It's not really thought about from a student perspective. How does a student get from point A to point B? Um, So that bully pulpit really of the federal government and directing federal resources is important. On the state level, states are similarly thinking about how do we align all of our state systems to be less... um, focused on sort of their individual task of, you know, this is what the labor department does and this is what education does. How do we create a whole scale system that works well for students? And, you know, your home state of Delaware does this fairly well. Um, they, they launched a pathway program a number of years ago and uh, have really effectively aligned a lot of state systems to think about this particular issue. We actually funded part of that initiative in uh, the middle school space to try to um, take it from high school down into middle school and help kids think a little bit more about why they're making certain high school decisions as well as why they're making post-secondary decisions um, and, and how do they understand themselves and their own sort of personal interests at a much earlier age. So state systems are beginning to align around these issues as well. Um, developing much more robust um, career exploration programming, uh, work-based learning programs in high schools, establishing you know, career and academic plans for students so that they're thinking through these opportunities um, and really trying to break down silos. And I don't think we're anywhere near where we need to be, but break down silos of this idea that it's either college or career 
right? It has to be an alignment of college and career because all kids need both post-secondary education aligned with a long-term career goal. Um, so, it, you know, I think that's the direction that we're moving. And there's really pockets of excellence happening throughout states uh, in a lot of in a lot of these ways. Um, so, you know, I'm hopeful that we can make some progress over the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, because it's like, like you said, it's sort of, you know, this fragmented, you know, federal policy landscape and everything and seeing like, yeah, whether it is from federal or state that like, yeah, part of it's like, how is the student funding their, you know, cho chosen, uh, you know, education option, but then like, is it like grants and different things to sort of like create more options, like mm -hmm. create just, you know, various sort of uh, programs and support structures and, and those sort of things. Because I think like, Obviously, it's like you kind of have to like, I guess it's kind of like a chicken or the egg that where it's yeah. just like, hey, well, like, I don't have anything to choose from. Like, I got all the money in the world, all this funding, and you know, uh, grants or whatever for me as like an individual. But then it's like, there's not what I'm looking for out there or not, not something that's going to be effective for me, yeah. you know, because I think that's what I see a lot, too, where like, you know, it's refreshing where like, yeah, we have this program when we have like coaches and all that, you know, mm -hmm. so they've like really sort of holistically wrapped around that student to, you know, get them to wherever it is that they want to go versus just like, well, we, you know, you could come study and do whatever and, you know, good luck to you. Right. Um, so. Yeah. And I think um, that work, workforce pal issue is, is, is an important one. You know, we, there were, we've seen a lot of movement on it the last couple of years. There's been a lot of discussion, obviously concerns about quality of program and how do you ensure that um, students are getting the types of services they need. And I think those definitely need to be ironed out, but, but the, the idea of, uh, being more flexible in the types of programs that students can um, can choose and and sort of trying to encourage the fact that there are programs and effective training or education that can be done in a much shorter period of time than the traditional 16-week semester. Um, you know, we need to encourage that because there are a lot of kids for whom four months of studying is, is too much for them, right? They need to get into the workforce faster, and if they can get a credential, paid for by a Pell Grant in a shorter amount of time, it may be something we should be encouraging. Yeah, well, I totally agree. Because, um, yeah, I think, like, what I've thought a lot about is, yeah, if you can get someone to that credential and then they're gainfully employed and then if they want to pursue, like, it's almost kind pursue of like a else. sort of, yep. you know, leapfrogging kind of thing where it's like, okay, you study to get a credential to get a job that can support you to get another credential, like, and you can sort of keep furthering your education and career that way where, like, you know, seeing the stuff with like, you know, AWS or Google, like you can get mm -hmm. these like certificates and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you can get a pretty gainful job, you know, gainfully employing job. And, uh, and I, I, but I think that takes a mindset shift to, to think about the fact that higher education is not the, you know, the traditional model that we've always assumed it was. It needs to be different for a student's individual needs. Um, and uh, I think that's the direction where we're headed. Mm hmm. Well, as we wrap up, we always just like to give folks an opportunity to share resources of their own or stuff that they're uh, kind of seeing out there, books, articles, podcasts, or certainly, you know, we're at South By, and I mean, it's day two, there's only one day of sessions so far, or, you know, uh, and I know you all are putting on a lot of sessions and things um, here at the at the event, but uh, yeah, just anything that you want to share that we can put in the show notes. Yeah, so, um, you know, we, our digital resources are free and available to all students. Um, I think they can be found at www.asa.org. Um, we've got a few. There are, um, there's one called Future Network, which is a series of uh, videos, uh, YouTube videos of young people uh, talking to professionals about career options, about pitching their parents on how they want to be things like 
comedy writers and how would you pitch your parents on the idea of maybe not going to a traditional four-year school. Uh, so there's a series of videos really to try to get kids thinking about how would I approach these these types of topics. Uh, there's also our, our um, future planning tool called Futurescape, which is uh, allows kids to put in some of their, their interests and, and understand what career possibilities there are. Uh, and then we have a tool called Next Voice that helps kids build um, sort of self-advocacy skills. Uh, and, uh, you know, we think that's really important, not only from the perspective of being involved in the issues that you care about, but uh, those advocacy skills will be really important as a professional as well. Uh, and uh, something that we think uh, are really uh, necessary for kids to continue to build. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, just highlighting a couple of those resources there. Um, and then uh, we'll end as we always do a final thought, call to action to wrap everything up uh, for our conversation today. Yeah. So I think, you know, we really need to think about how do how are we ensuring that kids have greater opportunity at a much earlier age to explore their career possibilities? Um, and that might be, you know, becoming a mentor to a young person to help them think through what those options are. It might be offering a job shadow or you know, participating in a career fair. Um, we all have a collective responsibility to make sure that there's greater opportunity for these experiences. Um, we can't rely solely on the school systems that are already very busy with other things um, to do it. So you know, we collectively, and from the employer community, higher ed, post-secondary space in general, um, have to be actively participating um, to make sure that students have, have what they need to succeed. Awesome. Beautiful way to end the episode, wrap everything up. And uh, as usual, we'll have ways to connect with you and ASA um, in, the, in the show notes for the episode. But uh, just thank you for hanging out, taking a few minutes uh, out of your day to, to chat with me. And yeah, it's, it's a really great conversation. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thanks for having me. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.